Respectfully. 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 A melanated therapist. Welcome in and welcome home, family. I'm Dimitri. And I'm Marde, and this is Respectfully a Melanated Therapist Podcast. Just a quick disclaimer, this is not therapy. We are just two people doing a podcast who happen to be therapists. The information in this podcast is for psychoeducation and entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of therapeutic resources, please feel free to contact us, and we'll be sure to point you in the right direction. Also, happy Pride to all the members <laughs> of the LGBTQ plus community and allies alike. Yes, yes. Happy Pride. So, (laughs) all right, fam, today we will be talking about gentle parenting and to help us navigate this conversation, we have a, we have invited a special guest for today's episode, my close friend and our fellow colleague, Alyssa Dukna. And Alyssa is um, also a person of color, so she has... um, some unique and special experiences to share with you all today. And she actually specializes in working with children. So you guys are in for a treat. So Alyssa, would you like to um, share some information about yourself as well as your website, social media handles, et cetera? Of course. Hey guys, thanks for having me. First of all, I'm super excited to be on this podcast because like being a therapist and a person of color, everything is just so relatable. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm thank really you. grateful to have the podcast and to be featured on it. Um, well, thank I, you for being here. Of, of course, of <laughs> course. Yes, welcome, friend. <laughs> <laughs> I am also a registered counselor intern working to get my license. Um, I currently do field work, so I do work with children and adolescents, mainly a lot of kids that are in foster care, trying to navigate some of those situations. And I do have my own online practice. It's called Sincerely Therapy. You can find us at sincerelytherapy.com and also on Instagram at Sincerely Therapy. It's really great. <laughs> I'm loving it. Can we talk about how perfect that name is? Like, that, that was cute. I love it. Sincerely <laughs> Therapy. Let's get into the vibes, honey. <laughs> I really got inspired from like my own love of like, just like writing and like journaling. And when I thought about, you know, what is like a perfect thing to be posting all the time on social media. And like, I would always see these memes and it would always be like, um, similar to you guys, like respectfully, like a therapist, like go to therapy. And Mm -hmm. so (laughs) I got inspired and I was like, you know what? I'm going to let the world know, like, these are the things that I have to say. And it's sincerely like therapy, go to therapy. <laughs> yes, love it. Love I'm it. here for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. So as Demetrix stated, we'll be discussing gentle parenting today um, for our episodes. So what is gentle parenting? It is a parenting approach that encourages a partnership between you and your child to make choices based on an internal willingness instead of external pressures. Okay, internal willingness instead of external pressures. In talking about gentle parenting, we must also discuss parenting styles. Parenting styles are patterns of parents' attitudes and behaviors towards children in an emotional climate in which the parents' behaviors are expressed. We have four parenting styles. The first one is authoritarian. Authoritarian type of parenting focuses on imposing authority on children without any exception. 
Children have to follow whatever the parent says. They also don't allow kids to get involved in problem-solving challenges or obstacles. So when we think of this, and I want you guys to really be thinking about the parents that say, do what I say, not as I do, that say, um, don't ask me questions why, you just do it because I said so, okay? Then we have authoritative which is uh, parents that have rules and they use consequences, but they also take their children's opinions into account. They validate their children's feelings, but also making it clear that the adults are ultimately in charge. So this type of parenting style is the one that, you know, is the golden, y'all. We want to be in this range here. We want to be offering space for our children to have space with us to feel safe to talk to us, but also... Mm-hmm understand that the hierarchy technically, which we call it in therapy, rearranging the hierarchy, is still in place where they understand mm-hmm. what your role is, what theirs is, and how you guys can communicate within your roles. Then you Retweet. have permissive. See? Y'all can't hear me, but I'm saying <laughs> whatever. All right. So, then we have permissive, <laughs> permissive parenting. In this style of parenting, parents are lenient and they only step in when there's a severe issue. Uh, They are quite forgiving and might give privileges if a child begs for something and usually takes on more of a friend role than a parent role. I think that was pretty explanatory, self-explanatory there. So a little less rigid with rules and um, can also be passive about not providing rules sometimes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Neglectful and uninvolved is the last parenting style, which is when parents tend to have little knowledge of what their children are doing and they're and they tend to be like very few rules. These parents expect children to raise themselves and don't devote much time and energy to meeting the basic needs of their children. You guys have heard us talk about being um, neglected as we talked about different forms of trauma and abuse history. And so I want you guys to really think about those things in previous episodes. And if you haven't listened, please go back. Shameless plug. But, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> making sure that Oh, sorry. This this parenting style in particular is really about not being involved. This is completely uninvolved, period. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that, friend. So, Alyssa, our first question for you is, when you decided on the population you wanted to serve as a clinician, what led you to wanting to work with children and adolescents? That is a great question. <laughs> um. I think just my own love and like compassion for children and younger, the younger population, I've always gravitated towards them because they're kind of like, uh, no bullshit kind of people. Like they'll give Mm -hmm. it to you real honest. They'll tell you what it is. And I love that. I love that because they don't sugarcoat anything. You can be like, how does my hair look today? They'll be like ugly. I'm like, okay. (laughs) 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 I really like that about them that they have no filter. I like that they sometimes know what they want when they're able to. Mm -hmm. Um, And then frankly, some of my own experiences, like as a child and growing up, I used some of that as well and was like, what population really needs to learn like coping skills because either they don't have the education or the knowledge. So I naturally gravitated towards the younger population and it's a little more relatable. I feel like for my personality. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, well, thank you for the work that you do because we definitely need more yeah. POC clinicians that work with children and adolescents. We sure do. Um, Absolutely. I can't, as someone who works with, you know, ch- uh, children, adolescents, and adults, um, it's real black and white with kids. It's a lot mm-hmm. more, um, when I say simple, I mean in the the degree that I don't have to decode messages. Either they're going to right. tell you or they're not going to tell you. And they'll let you know that they're not going to tell you or that they don't want to mm-hmm. talk about it. But in other cases, right. it's straight to the point. And like Alyssa Absolutely. was saying, like, well, well, how do you feel today? Like trash? Okay, well, let's right. talk about that. What, <laughs> right, does, right. what, does, what does trash mean? To you, right. and let's process that <laughs> to make sure that it, that's really how you're feeling, or you just don't have the words to describe how you're feeling. And right, yeah, right. But it is it, it. That's one of the things that I do like about working with adolescents is that they are real black and white. They straight to the point, and there is no sugar coating. Um, but yeah, you know, Alyssa, <laughs> girl, if I could give you a hug, I would because this is the field. <laughs> I left running. Okay. Oh, Please. I can't. <laughs> I, there's actually. I feel like I'm going to talk about that in one of these questions because it's so funny to me. Like when yeah. people say that, it's yeah, not for I everybody, like, girl. I know it's not. And I was so like, I want to work with kids. I want to work with kids because same thing that you're saying. Like, you know, what is the population that needs the help, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And then. I got involved with doing actually in-home family therapy or in-home therapy with kids first. Yeah. And then I was like, but then I leave you and your parents undo all my work. So let's right, just talk right. to all of y'all Hello. together. Like, cause oh, this <laughs> the mess. Yes, Rodney. Now that's a retweet. That's a retweet. <laughs> so I am so thankful for you because I mean, at my home practice, I think I've had maybe two kids. At this point, mm-mm. well, now you know where to send them. <laughs> right, I, I got you, girl. They will be with you, not me. <laughs> okay, all right. It's so, tough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is, which is why I think you know, Demetrius and I can really sit here and say, like, we appreciate what you do because mm-hmm. we don't have that many people of color, you know, working with children, adolescents, right, so. mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the most common issues that children and adolescents face regarding mental health that you've noticed? Um, I think some of the top ones are like learning how to regulate their emotions or like even identifying them and like knowing what they are. Like, what am I mm-hmm. feeling? What is this? Where is this coming from? I think mm-hmm. that's one of the top things that they're struggling with, as well as maybe like relationship issues. Like sometimes younger children and adolescents, they're really trying to search for that independence, whether it be like from a sibling relationship or a parental relationship. And I feel like a lot of times that's where there might be a disconnect and they don't know how to navigate the situation. Or because of these parenting styles that we're talking about today, they don't really have that wiggle room to do that. So I think those are some of the top twos. And then Demetric and I actually had this conversation the other day Something that I'm seeing more and more is like children and adolescents having maybe to grow up faster or more quickly because of some of the things that they might be facing at home, whether it be Mm -hmm. like trauma or like substance use or, you know, dealing with their own parents, like mental health. That's pretty common as well. 
Yeah, definitely. Especially you work with um, foster kiddos, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I used to work with guardian ad litem, so I get it, right? Like it is, they do have to grow passive. They don't have the resources. They have to figure it out for themselves. Right, Mm -hmm. exactly. And essentially learn how to be like self-sufficient. And it's Mm -hmm. like, who's teaching them how to do that besides themselves? Themselves, Mm -hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And usually, I, t- I mean, do you, would you say that they learn from them, their friends a lot? I would say so. I think that they are really, um, not influenced, but like, eh, we can use influence, but not in a negative way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, I think they pick up on what they see in the environment around them. And they're more likely to kind of like do things that maybe their friends might do, or they see their friends doing and saying, rather than maybe like an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's one of the. Oh no, no, no! I was just, uh, <laughs> just um, kind of coming in on the back end of what you guys were saying. Um, I think what. Um, okay, so I work with children, adolescents, and adults. Um, but typically, I pre- my preference is thirteen and above. But um, at the same time, <laughs> yeah, thirteen and above, um, possibly twelve, but you know, typically thirteen and above. But I think that um, how, what gravitates me to that population is I kind of call them the the population that's left behind because a lot of parents, you know, think that you know kids around that age or you know when they're you know become teenagers or go to high school, okay, you're just emotional. Um it's your hormones, it's puberty, and it can actually be a lot more than that. And I think, you know, one thing that I've noticed through working with kids and adolescents specifically is that they have no absolutely no idea what they're feeling or how to express it. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest part for me. They have no idea what they're going through. And you, you know, the parents come and like, I just don't know what's going on. They won't talk to me, et cetera, et cetera, because they don't know what to say. Right. <laughs> they are, you have to realize that, you know, kids growing up in those early development stages, the way that kids communicate is pretty it's pretty simple in the sense that, okay, you're crying. So you're either sad or upset, like what's going on. You can easily kind of get down to the root of that. Now, when they become adolescents, it could mean a lot of things. They are now feeling all of these, these emotions that they've never felt before. They're starting to transition into that place where they're starting to feel the same emotions that we feel as adults. They just don't know how to conceptualize or communicate it. And then for them, they're fr- they're freaking out because they're like, "Why am I feeling like this? Like I don't know." Like <laughs> people are like, "Well, what's wrong mm-hmm. with you? Why why are you acting like I don't know?" And they are really telling the truth that they don't know. They're not saying it because they don't want to talk to you. They literally do not know. How right. they're, why they're feeling the way they're feeling because they've never felt many of these emotions before. So, you know, parents take into consideration as your kids get older and they start to experience more emotions that they need help conceptualizing what they are so that they can actually communicate it to you. It's not necessarily that they don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Do you think, um, do you think that parents can be ahead of this a bit by the way that they talk to their children during adolescence or, uh, you know, during that time frame? Yeah, absolutely. I think that communication is key in trying to understand your child or your teenager. Um, I, I get a lot of parents and, you know, to piggyback off of what Demetrix said, I feel like, 
emotions and whatever kids are experiencing doesn't always come up as it's presenting to you. So Mm -hmm. you can have like an angry teenager in front of you and be like, oh my God, my kid is so angry all of the time. But really they might be like stressed out about maybe school. And it's coming up in the sense of like having all of these expectations and feeling angry. So I feel like it all boils down to communication. And of course, like what kind of support are you offering your child during these Mm -hmm. moments? Yeah. If you if they're getting angry or if they're crying and you're like, you know, stop crying, don't do that, that will really influence how they express these emotions and essentially deal with them moving forward. Okay. Makes perfect sense. Good deal. Um, yeah. So what is the most challenging aspect of working with children and adolescents? Uh, I'm glad Dimitri mentioned the parents because I, that's also probably one of the most challenging aspects is like having mm-hmm. to build a relationship with the child, with the parent and a trusting relationship, and then having them facilitate or keep up with the things that you're doing in therapy, just like Rade said, cause mm-hmm. I'll be in there for 50 minutes. Everything will be kosher. And then I'll walk out of there and then come back to the same thing the next week. So it's like, you know, you have to really trust in that this is going to happen. And I remember when I was like going to undergrad and everybody's like, oh, what are you going to do? Who are you going to counsel? And I was like, kids, like that's I already knew straight out the bat. And then everybody's like, oh, I tried that once. Uh, You probably won't like it because it's the parents. And it's like, (laughs) 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 I understand that statement now. (laughs) But I'm not just going to give up like that. (laughs) I feel like everybody tried it and like gave up. And I'm like, well, who's going to help these kids? Everybody is me, honey. Okay. (laughs) I will see y'all in family therapy. Do not call me about the kids. Are you coming? Right, right. You want me to work with more than anything, to be honest. Right, right, exactly. right. It's like counseling parents. It's right. like I signed up to counsel kids and teens. I didn't sign up for family counseling all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So our next question for you is: of the four parenting styles, which do you encounter the most in your work with children and adolescents, and how do you navigate that? Okay, so I think the most common one would have to be the authoritarian because of the fact of like, that's what a lot of parents grew up in. It's like, I'm going to tell you what the rules are, what the expectations are, and you are supposed to follow them with no questions, no responses, and just do it. So I think I encounter that one the most. Um... I do encounter authoritative sometimes, and I would say that's probably the most effective in trying to get children and teenagers to like open up and just communicate and just have a good collaborative like relationship with your child. But the thing about Mm -hmm. it is a lot of parents don't believe like a parenting relationship should be collaborative. So that's where they fall into that authoritarian um, parenting style. But I think in order to do like a lot of problem solving and all of that good stuff, you want to stick with authoritative. Um, how do I navigate that specific? Authoritarian is, by navigating it, I feel like I have to build a trusting relationship with the parents and know what it is that they want and what they're expecting of their child and seeing if that's realistic. 
because a lot of times like parents will kind of form these expectations or have these standards that they want their kids to follow knowing that their child probably will not be able to meet all of those in one go or like um maybe comparing their child to other children and or family members or something like that it's very difficult so at the end of the day I have to get to the bottom of those things (laughs) before I can help you and your family Mm, understood yes yes okay so what type of parenting style I'm sorry what type of parenting or parenting style did you receive or experience during your childhood yeah girl we nosy let's get into it (laughs) don't worry we gonna answer as well we gonna (laughs) We I was about to be you. like, can I toss the baton first? <laughs> We're not going to leave you alone on this one. <laughs> no worries. If you're not um, ready, one of us can start first. Um, no, I, I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay. I was expecting this. Remember, I'm an avid listener. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that m- the parenting style that I had growing up was very authoritarian as well. Just because of the cultural aspect. Um, For the viewers that can't see me, (laughs) my family is Caribbean, but also Indian. And there's a lot of cultural dynamics that go into that. And I very much grew up in a household where my mom was like, these are the rules. This is what I say. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And to be honest, like... It wasn't necessarily a bad thing for my brother and I. We're like, okay, this is just what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, If anything, the barriers to that would be like maybe growing up and having to learn how to advocate for yourself rather than Mm -hmm. kind of being passive and taking a back seat. Mm -hmm. But my mother is also (laughs) a very strong, independent woman. So she taught me how to speak up for myself as well. So mm-hmm. it worked out good in my sense, um, but I can see in my work how it can be challenging for a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay. Thanks what for about sharing you, that. That was cool. Oh, so you just don't throw me in there. Got it. <laughs> Dimitri's like, um. I need to take it away. <laughs> um, okay. I well, I know I had a, a mixture of both authoritarian and authoritative. Um, because I think initially my parents would give us rules about things and not always give us reasons why the rules were in place. But then if we asked enough times, they would talk to us about why. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, if we did get an answer when they gave us the rule, it was like, oh, you're just too young for that. Right? Like it was like, mm-hmm. there's no substance. I'm like, what does that even mean? Right? Like, <laughs> me, I'm thinking, uh, you know, I'm 12 and grown, and she like, you too young. So I'm like, girl, what does that even mean? Like, so, because, <laughs> you know, I think as children, we think that we know everything, right? As we start to age, right. we don't, until we're adults, we're like, oh, I don't know shit. I ain't no shit then. I still don't know shit. <laughs> but like, <laughs> What I'm getting at is just there was that dynamic. Um, I think both of my parents though did a pretty good job at like, especially when if they were really upset or whatever, they would then come and try to talk to us about what was going on and why they put these rules out, even if they were inappropriate or too rigid or whatever. They would still try to tell us, even if we didn't agree, and we would still try to finesse 
as you know, but still. <laughs> the because I said so. <laughs> right, right. That's so funny. I think this also shifts, like, as you get older. I don't know oh, about yes. you guys' experiences, but, like, my parents went from being, like, my rules, my expectations, follow them, to now, like, an authoritative of what you're saying. Like, you're able to make your own decisions. You're able to do all of these things, and I trust that you'll be able to do that. So it then it becomes more of a, like, collaborative Mm-hmm. kind of relationship you know mm-hmm. to me right real quick before you answer i recently had a conversation with my mom about um there were some little decisions but huge for my i specifically talk about my sister and i i have a brother and my parents allowed us room to make decisions for things at very very young ages my sister was five and she was able to make an informed decision about whether she wanted to skip a grade or not. I think I was wow. six when I made an informed decision of not wanting to be in a specific teacher's class. And my parents heard us the first time we had to say anything about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they made sure that we made an informed decision. And I was asking, I'm like, what the heck made you trust us <laughs> so much to make those decisions? And she's like, well, I've always talked to you guys, you know, like, and so I, you were there, you were experiencing it, not me. So it wasn't for me to make that decision. So I was like, hmm, okay, girl, thanks. That's so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so okay, sorry, go ahead, Jimmy, what about you? No, you're good. You know, I, listen, I love the dialogue. Um, <laughs> so for me, it is, um, I was going to say it was a mixture between authoritarian and authoritative. However, I felt like the primary was authoritarian and then the secondary was authoritative now um my mom had very clear rules um Mm -hmm. you know as far as you know what my responsibilities were at home and then what my Mm -hmm. responsibilities were as a student um and then there were consequences um if i didn't meet those um obligations or those responsibilities, um, which changed over time. You know, before, you know, I grew up in a, um, a family where you get spankings. Um, I was the type of kid that listened. After one spanking, uh, uh-uh, I don't like these. So I'm going to see, I got to do what I need to do <laughs> to make sure I don't get my ass toe up. Um, now, I, only, I can probably count on my hands how many times I've actually gotten one because I learned fast. Okay, so that results in a whipping. Okay, we won't do that. Now, this kind of seems like the same thing, so I'm not even going to touch that because it's a possibility <laughs> I could get my ass toe up. So I learned real quickly, so I didn't get that many whoopings. Um, but as I got a little older, well, actually, not necessarily a little older, but my mom always gave me freedom of choice. Um, when it came to certain things that, you know, children or, you know, adolescents are able to actually conceptualize and actually make an informed decision. Um, and then, you know, there would be a discussion like, okay, well, this is a decision you're making. Why is that? You know, why do you, why do you want to do that? Why do you feel like you want to do that? Um, and then from there, you know, I felt like that really helped me become independent. Like I can truly say without a shadow of a doubt that I can take care of myself 100% because of my mom, because of those those personal obligations and academic ab- obligations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in school, you know, that always made me strive to do my best most of the time. Mm-hmm. 
because sometimes I'm going to do what the hell I want to do, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> but, but it was a mixture between the two. But now I think that, you know, now that we are, you know, older, you know, parenting looks different now since we're adults. So now I wouldn't say it's permissive, but there's a, a layer of friendship there. Like there's still, you know, hey, I'm still oh, yeah. your mom. Okay. Don't get it twisted. Right. But at the same time, I know you're an adult and, you know, we talk about, you know, things that are going on currently, our, you know, situations, personalized, things like that. So um, I feel like it almost kind of was a, a step like situation with authoritarian, a little bit of authoritative, and then the the friendship piece permissive. Of, of permissive now that mm-hmm. I'm older and we can actually have more mature, more involved conversations about serious topics that we couldn't have before. But, so would y'all say like, or Alyssa, would you say that like this honestly is what we usually will need is this process from, you know, authoritarian through, through authoritative, then to permissive as we engage through the familial life cycle and relationships with our parents. I would say like in an ideal world, absolutely. I think that would be a great process for everybody to go through just because you learn from it. You learn Mm -hmm. like, who you are, you learn how to communicate with your parents, you learn how to solve problems, and all of the things that are necessary to kind of like navigate life, I feel like a lot of it stems from like a parent child relationship, Mm -hmm. and the communication that's involved in that. Mm -hmm. So I would agree, like in an ideal world, I would love to see all kids go through this. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right, right, But unfortunately, that's, that's not the case. And Another thing, too, that was uh, funny that you were mentioning, Dimitrik, is my mom did that as well in that she encouraged us when it came to, like, self-expression, when it came to, like, mm-hmm. figuring out who we are and who we want to be. She encouraged all of the choices and, like, every decision. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you become, like, late teen and, like, early adult, nobody prepares you for that transition of, like, your parents mm-hmm. opening up, like, this treasure box and just, like, pouring out all this information on you that you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> all of this, like, adult <laughs> information. And it's like, you try to close it. Like, wait a minute, mom. I don't need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> there yet. needs to be some sort of transition period. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> and a few boundaries. <laughs> About yeah, it's the boundary thing, yeah, absolutely. Because, mm-hmm. Mama, I love you, but I don't know if I'm ready for this d- a deep adult conversation about what's going on in your life. But I'm here to support. <laughs> but you know, after the first right. time, you, after the first time, you like, oh, ooh, like that, okay. And then after that one, it, it was a little easier. Like, okay, girl, what's going on, child? <laughs> oh okay. my god like girl let me tell you what i'm going through now you know it's it, it's it's a different level of of conversation and sharing when you like let's right. say get to that oh, late yeah. teen early adult and then the older you get that just ex- in 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 the best of situations that expands and then it's almost like okay now we can really talk because now <laughs> i'm an adult and I'm out in this world that you have prepared me for. So let's go ahead and get us a cup of tea and go ahead and dish. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, when she started talking about everything that you had no idea existed within mm-hmm. her, your whole family unit. <laughs> I'm like, hold up, Ma. I don't need to know this. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> Please hold. That is not information for me, girl. Right. I, I like... 
Okay, I want to say, listeners, y'all, we like laughing about this, but these transitions are, they can be a bit rocky. Right. Okay, yes. like, less, but I, and from my, like, personal experience, my transition through, you know, moving from an authoritarian, authoritative to now permissive parents, right? Or friendly mm-hmm. parents. Let me not say permissive mm-hmm. because. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Um, because they, you know, respect who I am, they respect my boundaries, you know, all of the things or learning mm-hmm. my boundaries, so to speak, right? right. And even mm-hmm. that is where the rocky shores really start. <laughs> and I, something I often say um, to my mom, especially, is I need you to trust that you gave me all the tools. Mm-hmm. And now you yes. got to let me use them, girl. You got to let mm-hmm. me yes. use them. You did your job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And yes. That, I think, for parents, it, it's... I can only imagine really hard to be like, okay, I'm going to let you go. Like, <laughs> right. I'm doing it now. Okay, yes. I'm doing it now. <laughs> like, it's one of those. <laughs> and um, I think I'm saying this because not only do I want parents to be mindful of, your your children will have to be able to figure certain things out and they will have to learn to right. make choices for themselves and they mm-hmm. will have to learn to discern what is for them and what is not. Yeah. But on the other side of this, I want children to have some compassion for their parents, adult children as well, yes. that as a parent, your job is to protect your child, period, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it gets real scary when your child is leaving for college or, you know, yeah. make, doing different things or, you know, engaging in different life experiences and you're not there to guide them through it. So yeah. these are all pieces that you have to keep in mind, right? They are not just trying to control you. Trust me, I had that narrative for a minute. Like, girl, you just controlling. He's just controlling. And it wasn't even that, you know, like they mm-hmm. wanted the best for me, but this is how they knew how. These were the tools they had. Right. So just things to think about. Yeah. <laughs> I, um kind of glad you said that. I've actually said that to a few of my parents. Like, this, I was like, you have to trust that, you know, that they're listening to you and that they're picking up on those mm-hmm. positive things and those those morals and, and values and perspectives that you have instilled in them and allow them the opportunity to use them. But right. if you keep forcing them down their throat, they're not good. All you're going to be met with is resistance and they're not even going to have the opportunity to even show you that they've, taking those good things that you've given them as you reared them because now they fighting with you because now they feel like you're nagging mm-hmm. or they feel like you won't allow them to live. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, right. you know, I um always share with parents my experience. So, you know, growing up, you know, I always felt like, oh man, like I got so many chores. I got to cook and you want me to, you know, bring home grades and not, and you know, a C. I mean, you, I'm not going to get murdered, but I'm going to get the side eye if I bring home a C. You know what I'm saying? There was expectation. <laughs> so, right. you, <laughs> you know, that I still had to meet. But, you know, at the end of the day, it all boiled down to, you know, getting to a place where, you know, I'll tell you, well, I can only tell you about my experience, but we don't always appreciate all of that um, authoritarian stuff that's going on, but trust and believe we always listening. And as I I can't remember how old I was, but I was like, um, I think I was like early to mid twenties when I realized I was like, wow, 
I am a real full functioning adult out here in these streets. Like I, I know how to take care of myself. <laughs> like I listen, like I know how to, you know, laundry, cooking, cleaning, mm-hmm. paying my bills. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. Kathy, I see you. I'm like, yeah, look at all this. I'm like, facts. I'm like, girl, it was a lot of rules and expectations. I was like, but look mm-hmm. at what you've given me. And then, right. you know, I always tell parents, you know, depending on the situation now, and I just don't happen for all parents, but depending on the situation, your kids will realize all of that stuff that you taught them and how it helped mold the person that they are today. They are. And, thank you for and, saying and this. They're gonna, <laughs> yes. And they're going to come back and they're going to thank you. Now, you know, some mm-hmm. people have problems with saying thank you. Uh, so it might come in the form, it might come in the form of a gift. It may come in the form of calling you every day just to hear your voice. It may come in the form of, you know, just texting to say, hey, mom, hope you're doing good today. I love you. Like it could show up in many ways, but trust and believe all of the things that you teach your children, those morals and, and values, like those seeds have been planted and they will grow. Mm-hmm. Now, when they I, grow is up to the is up to your child, but they will right. grow and they will learn and love to appreciate you for everything that you've done, even when it felt like you, um, quote unquote, was the worst parent in the world because you wouldn't let me go to this Latin club. Oh my God! Can we talk no, about the pink? not the tea club. No, <laughs> girl. My mama was like, "Girl, save something until later, honey. Like you, if you experience it now, you're not gonna really understand the experience later." And I uh, appreciated what she said. That took it all in, child. But and which was very true. But I would have had no business in the teen club, honey. No business. No business. Oh my God. <laughs> Me either. Not at that time. I was not ready for that type of environment. Me neither. You know? I was not ready for it. But listen, but I was going. But I was listen, but I was going to go if she let me. <laughs> no, <laughs> are you coming? No, girl, I can't go. Yeah, <laughs> you just know, call me later. Right, right. With <laughs> you saying this, you know, <laughs> I am like thinking about all those moments where I'm like, you know, my parents would say things, and later in life, I'm like, okay, y'all. So my mama used to say, "I want you." To be making decisions and sometimes hear me in the back of your head saying, uh-uh, girl, you know that ain't right. You know, like, she <laughs> stuff like that. That is some and great that, advice. You know, like, she, yes. like, she'll be like, you know, she would say that to us growing up. And legitimately, y'all, like, I have gone through certain experiences. When I hear my mama in the back of my head, I'm like, mm-mm, it's time for me to keep it yes. moving. I gotta go. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, I like realize I'm like so many things that my parents have said to me or, you know, or, you know, how parents, they, they will say the same thing to you, right. Over and Mm -hmm. over again, just in in their talking with you. And a lot of those things have really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And just a like little fun fact for listeners to know, our earth lessons part of our show is actually based on my dad calling his lessons to me, earth lessons. So whenever mm-hmm. he would share oh. information with us, he would be like, all right, I, I'm, I got an earth lesson for you. This is how he would preface it. So he knew you need to have mm-hmm. open ears and an open heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, even if we didn't like what he was going to say, right. He wanted us to be hearing with a different, a different frame mm-hmm. of ears than our teenage ears being like, if you don't shut up, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so He's like, I'm about to shed some wisdom, everybody. No, seriously. Oh, <laughs> and um, so many of the things that he has said, they stick and they have yeah. like stuck with us. So, yeah. I don't know about it's you guys, up. though, 
but it really be hitting me in them therapy sessions or right after child. I'd be in there and I'm like, why'd I just sound like my mom? <laughs> Bro. <laughs> like some kids will be telling me, you know, their little teenage problems. Like this friend said this, this friend said that. I'm not being friends with them anymore. And I'm thinking about, you know, all of these things that help them. And then I'm the next week I come back and they're friends with the friend again. And I'm like, damn, like, why am I having thoughts of like my mama? Like, I told you so. <laughs> I told you that wasn't your friend. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Parents have right. no chill, especially when they tell you something and you do it anyway. And they come back and tell them that they were right. right. Oh, they, right. Get, oh, they throw a lot of shade. Oh, they throw a lot oh, of yes. shade. What shade? Oh, yes. My dad used to love to be like, I told you don't trust people. You don't know people. Right. You don't know them. You don't know them. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's always about the trust. You. Yes. Right. Yes. Like we know, like we like we heard the things you're saying, but you still like parents, you still have to give your children room to make mistakes and grow on their exactly. own. And then right. all of those things that you've given them, they will they will bloom and flourish and they'll be, you know, the person that you raised them to be. Right. With a little with a little adjustment here and there because each individual exactly. is different. It's different. And um, yeah. you know, another good thing to tell parents is that, you know, you're gonna give your child a lot of good things that help them be an effective, full functioning, contributing me- member of society. But you have to realize mm-hmm. that everything that you give them may not fit for them. But those right. core values, those will always be there, but there will be certain things and certain perspectives that will be different, one, based on the generation that they're in and based on who mm-hmm. they are as a person. Right. Yeah. I'm so thankful that you said that because I'm thinking about the generational differences that mm-hmm. happen that I think that parents, and I'm even, I even think about this for myself as I'm a, I want to be a parent, right? Being, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking about, being intentional around the things that I will probably want to instill in my child, they might be like, all right, girl, I got to throw this away, but I'll keep this. Right. And Mm -hmm. I have to be okay with that. And I don't know. Like, I think that is really hard for parents to receive because it's like, I teach you that. Look what you're doing. You know? (laughs) Right. 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 (laughs) Yeah. What you, mean, what, you, what you mean you liberal? What is liberal? No, <laughs> <laughs> no seriously. Because, and I think that was another conversation I had with my parents. Well, my mom of like, you know, I think some of the, sometimes you may get upset with me because you're thinking, oh, this is not what I taught you, but this right. is based on my experiences, right? Now, mm-hmm. this is what I'm putting forth. These are why my values are reprioritized or exactly. changing up a bit. So, exactly. Yeah. But Sorry, the foundation. Always comes from the parents. Facts. I think you already touched on it, but like on the topic of like generational parenting, you know, I would say a lot of times, like from a child or a teenage perspective, and like my experiences growing up, sometimes you really be mad at your parents. Like, why are they doing this? Why are they saying this? Why am I not allowed to do X, Y, and Z? And I remember a couple of years ago, I worked like at an inpatient facility and I was teaching a group, and a client said to me, Mind you, this was like on like a Baker Act unit. So I don't know if they were like going through psychosis or what, but girl, it stuck with me. They were like, you know, I'm really angry at my mom for the way that she parents me. But at the end of the w- the day, that's how she learned what she learned from her parents and so forth. 
So he was basically getting at like, it's a generational thing, like how parents Mm -hmm. learn how to parent. And it's true, like Grade, how you're saying, you know, we want our own kids someday. And sometimes we're like, oh, like, I'm going to parent my child how my parent parented me because look how I turned out. And I sometimes the complete opposite. Right. Or the complete opposite. I don't want to parent like my parents. So I'm going to do something different. Um, But I do think it's a generational thing that's passed down as well, too. Like parenting styles. It's what you Mm -hmm. see, what you what your values are, what you want for your children or what you don't want for your children. Yeah, very true. So then what advice would you give parents who are putting their child in therapy for the first time? I would say be (laughs) open-minded. A lot of times I feel like people don't really fully understand what therapy for a child is. And it's, I'm not going to show up to your house and tell your kid what to do. (laughs) I'm not going to do what you want me to do. and teach your child x y and z i'm gonna help them with their the stuff that they're they have going on and then teach you as well um i also think in that in the same sentence of like being open-minded a lot of times parents really have to be receptive to the things that therapists might say it's probably something you may or may not want to hear and that really influences like a child's experience in counseling yeah, very true. And also ask questions, right? Like, and we're people. <laughs> we can have conversations. I'm not always going to be like, you know, telling you what you should or shouldn't be doing and all of this stuff. So ask questions. Be curious. Like, this is your child we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You want what's best for your child? You got to meet me there. Mm-hmm. I think especially if they made it to this point of getting mm-hmm. to therapy, right? And in order for a lot of children to go to therapy, parents have to be open-minded. And granted, I know that a lot of times that it's not a request based off of certain circumstances. Right. But, you know, if it took, if you got here, right, at this point, don't buckle now, right? I get therapy can be scary and to not Mm -hmm. know, well, what is my child saying about me or a family or all of these different things could be going into parents' heads. And I think that's very understandable. But like Alyssa said, you know, asking those questions, that could be key. And um, as she's talking about, you know, teaching parents as well, we bring you to be a part of this. This is a collaborative effort. It is not just your child that we are working with. And definitely not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Going back to question one, when we're talking about counseling the whole family. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Sometimes it'd be like that. A kid comes in and we're like, okay, what's going on? Kid is fine. And it's something the parents have trouble adjusting to but we're open to working with that you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. we're we are gentle with parents too (laughs) we understand it it -hmm. takes a lot it takes a lot you have to know yourself also you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. and I you know just just echoing what what you all are saying like you know to let parents know that if you put your child in therapy like you put y'all in therapy like you in therapy too. If your child in therapy, parent you in therapy too. This is not just drop right. your child off and because we don't fix your children. We help them conceptualize what they're going through and help them process their emotions so that they can get to a place where they can effectively express them to you so that you all can have an effective dialogue. But we're not fixing children. 
You know what I'm saying? But just know that when you put your child in therapy, honey, you in therapy too. And then another word for parents who thinking about putting their children in therapy or already have children in therapy, don't be asking your therapist what your child say at this session. Just trust us to know that when something is wrong, that we will communicate that to you. We will either preface the conversation for your child to tell you while we're present or not present, or we'll tell you directly depending on the circumstances. But you want to make sure that your child, even though you're entitled to the whole you know, health record, that you want to give your child the freedom to have a space that is safe and confidential without worrying, mm-hmm. oh my God, is this going to get back to my parent? Because that's going to stunt mm-hmm. that process. So just keep that in mind. It's not that we're trying to keep things from you, but we want your child to be and have a safe space and, and feel that there's that that certain level of confidentiality so that they can talk about some of the things that they do need to share with you, but they just don't know how. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and if that if that therapist is practicing appropriately and ethically, we mm-hmm. gonna tell you like at the beginning what you should be expecting as a parent with regard to confident confidentiality with your children. Mm-hmm. And it's in if my anything comes, no, it is in mine too. Right so off the bat, first point, sentence. <laughs> like, it's the first thing that I'm going to talk about with you, you know, kind of straightforward. Right. Before right. we even talk about how come you thought, you know, it was necessary to bring your child to therapy. I'm going to tell you, mm-hmm. hey, this is what, this is first. And then too, um, it should be reiterated throughout the therapeutic process. And if ever you come asking, well, what was discussed? Or I know for me, when I have worked with children, if the kiddo has ever come back to me and was like, well, my mom is asking me or my dad is asking me what we talked about. And I don't really want to tell her. I have a conversation with the parent as a therapist. Right. I am also an advocate for that child. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. And then one last oh, thing I just wanted to yeah. say is, you know, that going back to that statement about when you bring your child to therapy, that you are also in therapy. Like I bring my parents in in that very front end of the session. I ask, okay, what's going on at home? Any concerns? And then I ask them, well, how are you doing? How are mm-hmm. you managing? Because at the end of the day, the way that you're showing up in the in the world is going to be a reflection of how you interact with your child. So I want to talk to you now. I ain't go- it ain't gonna be no you know full hour session. But we're going to talk about some of the things that you could be struggling with, which could be impacting your level of parenting to that child. And then from there, of course, if you got some deep rooted stuff going on, then, baby, we're going to need to get you an individual therapist as well. And I am going to recommend it, honey. Listen, (laughs) list list already ready. Okay, what's your insurance provider? Okay, here go five referrals. (laughs) At the end of the day, I feel like for the parents that are listening, I mean, if you're trying to take your children to therapy, how much more would your child trust you if you walked in there with them instead of sending them themselves and being like, you're the problem? Like they would trust you a lot more if you were like, listen, we're both having this challenging time right now. Let's go see somebody so mom can and dad can learn what to do. And you can learn mm-hmm. what to do and we can be better off as a unit. And yes. I think that's, that's really a, a great, great mode when you're entering therapy. Yeah. Definitely. Retweet. I want to point this out that, you know, before we move on here is that even adult children, if you notice these same strenuous issues with your parents, mm-hmm. 
use therapy too, like use family therapy for those same reasons, right? Like you Mm -hmm. still have to learn how to establish that parent adult child relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. And if we're being honest, like none of, not all of this gets solved in childhood or adolescence. Sometimes like in early adulthood, even like, you know, mid, you're still learning your parents. You're still learning your own, how to be independent yourself and how to navigate adulting. And it's like, it would help you a lot to kind of go through that journey yourself, even as an adult. Yeah. Because ironically we, um, it seems like we, the light doesn't click for us that our parents were people before our parents. Right. And they still have a life outside of <laughs> being our parents until Hello. we're adults for whatever. Exactly. Right. So exactly. <laughs> yeah. Great point right there. Yes. I say that, I, yeah, you know, all the time is. came to that realization and that to be honest with you, that helped me with a lot of my healing um, because, you know, sometimes, and, and maybe it might be good for parents to hear this, but parents, whether you know it or not, we have expectations on what we expect parents to be in our lives as children. And a lot of the times, you know, depending on the type of relationship we have, we putting y'all on very high pedestals that y'all going to eventually fall off of. So I want you to take into consideration that we regard you in a very high manner, even when it doesn't seem that way. So keep that in mind as you go through this process, because, you know, um, and, and, because it does impact the relationship to a degree. And I had to learn um, that as well. Like, you know, before she was my mom, she was just a woman. She was just a daughter. She was just a sister. She was just a friend. So all of that stuff doesn't change. She's just added mother to that running list. So, you know, that's to say, give your parents some grace sometimes. Because at the end of the day, especially if you're the firstborn, maybe even the second one, honey, they still figuring it out. Mm -hmm. you know we've been talking about mothers a lot in this (laughs) and i'm like wait a minute did i mention the fathers fathers we see you Single fathers, True. all the oh, fathers, yes. grandparents. Yeah. Oh, always see you. We I'm so glad you. you say that. I'm so glad you say that. But I, you know, it, it's um, you know, men don't get enough credit because right. you know, because men can be nurturing too. And I think when we talk about mothers, it's because you know, in our own experiences, that's where the bulk of our nurturing came from. Right. So you know, Rade had both parents in the home, and Alyssa did as well. I did not. So I had a lot, a lot of different uh, parental figures you know, outside of my mom, I had my mom, I had my grandmother, I had my grandfather, um, you know, on my mother's side. So, you know, it is, it's a different experience, but it's still, it's still kind of the same because not, not only do I have one parent, I have three parents. So now I'm managing three different sets of expectations and it's a lot, but at the same time, um, it made me who I am. So I'm appreciative of those uh, parental figures that I did have in my life. But it, it could be, mm-hmm. it could be different at times. <laughs> that is a cultural issue too. Like I don't know about you guys, but in my culture, like you got like ten moms. That includes all your aunties, all your grandmas, <laughs> yeah, and everybody trying to parent you and tell you what you should or shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. So. Parents, just be mindful of that. Like, what are who are the parental figures in your kids' lives? And do Mm -hmm. their values and beliefs align with yours and what you want for your child? That's very important. Mm -hmm. Because especially if you have a, you know, 
a, um, a child or adolescent who may be a part of the LGBT plus community and in your home, you're accepting and loving and you send them over to your, your sister or your brother's house and they're hanging out with their uncle and cousins. And then now, you know, your child comes back sad because they've been told not to act a certain way or that, you know, or they've been called a derogatory term or they've been picked on because of how they act because the values from home to home may be different. So always okay. keep that into consideration. I think Alyssa made a very good point on that. And thanks okay. for bringing up the pops, girl. We, we <laughs> yes. care about that. Yes, because listen, these fathers out here I'm doing thinking- their thing. I've seen, you know, in working with kids, that's probably one of the most rewarding things is seeing all of the different types of parents. I've had same-sex couples. I've had single fathers. I've had grandparents, great-grandparents that are like Mm -hmm. young great-grandparents. So Mm -hmm. it's been really, really rewarding seeing how everybody parents and a learning experience for myself, you know? Mm -hmm. So. Yes, yeah, shout out to the single fathers. We wasn't leaving you out on purpose. It, 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 was, it wasn't <laughs> intentional. We were just, no. you know, coming from our own experiences with, you know, and I can't, like, at least with mine, a lot of my nurturing came, direct nurturing came from my my grandmother and my mom and my grandfather. He brought his own different types of things to the table. You know, right. that hardworking piece, that providing piece, that, um you know, one thing I love about my grandparents is that there were no gender roles. Like my grandfather cooked, he did laundry. My grandmother, she did yard work. And I'm not talking about planting the flowers. I'm talking about like real deal, raking up leaves, putting them in bags. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, and my grandfather, he cleaned. So, you know, I felt like, you know, they showed me that there are things beyond gender. Right, and they showed me that it was a true partnership. That's exactly what they yep. showed me. Yep, yep. Love to hear it. Yes, and um, and pre Happy Father's Day, y'all. We love y'all Yay! and we appreciate y'all. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Pre Happy Father's Day. All right, y'all. So now we're moving on to our Q and A portion of the podcast. Therapist hats off, Rade. Do you have the first question? I sure do. So the first question from a listener is, I know that my daughter is struggling as she doesn't engage with the family anymore and only wants to stay in her room. I have asked her several times what is wrong, but she won't talk to me. What should I do? That's a good question. Melissa, that's all you, girl. Oh, it's all me? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) All right. I like this one because the first thing that I can see that can be a problem here is asking her several times what's wrong. Sometimes being very direct about what's wrong and maybe like pressing your child off the bat a couple of times to maybe get a response because you want to help them is not really the best thing for them. Some kids might need space. They might need time to figure it out. Like we said earlier in the in the podcast, we don't know necessarily if they know what they're experiencing. Um So I think giving them time to talk it out should really be something that can be helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. If your child won't talk to you, period, and like say this is a pattern, then it might be beneficial to get someone else involved, like a therapist. If you are losing that communication and you don't know what to do. And then also some small things that I feel like parents can do that I know have been helpful for me, even like in a therapy session or with my own personal life is like doing things to show the other person that you care. 
So if your teen doesn't want to talk about what's wrong or is in, in their room all day, you can just say, like, you know, make them a quick little snack, maybe make them their favorite snack and be like, hey, I made this for you today. Um, just to kind of encourage maybe some of that time spent together or communication and let them know that you see them and that whatever it is that they're going through, they are, you're providing support for them to come and talk to you. So small gestures like that really help with teens. Yes, love that. I'm here for it. I actually have nothing to add, but I just want to retweet everything. Yes, exactly. Like you nailed that on the head, Alyssa. There's nothing to add to that. Okay. Well, let's go on to our next question. Um, I received spankings when I was a child. Ooh, I can relate. And I feel that they were effective in making sure I behave properly. Currently, I do spank my children, but I want to make sure I am going about disciplining my children in the best way. And I don't want to potentially traumatize them or have negative consequences because of it what should i do hmm i'll jump in a little bit i have some Um, okay cool yeah (laughs) this is a lot this one's like a little loaded (laughs) yeah yeah so i felt like between the three of us i feel like we'll give the best uh response so i'll do my little piece first so the first thing i want to say is honey all children are not created equal and when I say that, meaning that all just because you believe in spanking doesn't mean that all of your children need to be spanked. So I'll give you an example. So me and, I, and my younger brother were five years apart. So with me, <laughs> I'm laughing because this is funny. So with me, you could just raise your little voice and be like, sit down and I'm going to sit my legs down because I don't want to know what comes after the yelling. So you have my brother who I like to say is for us from Missouri, the show me state, um, because you're going to have to yell and you might have to put a, a, you know, get a little stronger with it. And you're going to have to reach out and touch him because he's not going to just comply with the words. He's going to test you. Um, so, you know, make sure you understand your children. Like for me, you know, just using that certain tone will get me to comply. Taking away things that I love. Like you didn't have to whoop me because if you whoop me, then I'm going to go back to doing the things I love. So, honey, you take away that telephone, that TV and the things that I enjoy. That's where you hit me the hardest. My brother, go ahead and whoop me, honey, so I can go back outside and play. You know what I'm saying? So I just think that, you know, you want to learn your children and understand what what disciplining looks like for child one versus what it looks like for child two. Um, You know, and talk to them about it. Like, are you spanking them and just saying, don't do that again and keeping it moving? Or are you spanking them and then you're explaining to them after, you know, after the fact or even beforehand why they're getting the spanking so they can understand and conceptualize what's going on. Not just that I did a bad thing and now um, here comes the belt. I agree with that. I (laughs) Okay. Yes. Loaded question. So as Demetrik and I had talked uh, <laughs> about this before in a previous podcast, we talked about, you know, the importance of talking to your child, like Demetrik was just saying, if you're going mm-hmm. to give the spanking, making sure that you're talking to them, getting down at their level and like kneeling, making sure that you're meeting them eye to eye, have a conversation mm-hmm. with them rather than mm-hmm. hovering over them, over, hovering right. over them. You want them to hear you. Right. And what I will say is that, um, Fear does not instill love and respect. So with that being said, I always think about 
the comments that are sometimes made by specifically black parents, where if you, they learn that you did something and they're not home yet, you get in the phone call saying, when I get home, I'm beating your ass, <laughs> right? Like, be right. ready, be ready, okay? Like, I think that moment already shifts enough because they already know they they messed up. They already know mm-hmm. they did something wrong, right? So mm-hmm. being able to get home, be in their space, getting you guys a mm-hmm. shared space, right? Because we still want their, them to feel safe in their home. But if spankings are happening way too often, there's lack of safety. Right. Now I want to hide. Now I don't want to do anything because I don't know if I do something, will this will this thing lead to a spanking? Especially if you're not talking to them about it. So now they don't even have expectations around what things normally would lead to me having getting a spanking and what things lead to me having a, a more stern conversation. Right. And so just making sure that you are, as a parent, differentiating between what behaviors are going to qualify for something like this and also being intentional about not bruising your children, right? right. I understand that swinkings do not, is not corporal punishment. You do not bruise your children. Right. And like Dimitri was saying, individualizing the experience. Some children don't need a swinking. Maybe mm-hmm. sometimes they need a little pop on the hand because they got distracted for a minute and you need mm-hmm. to, you know, switch them back over to being a little bit more alert. Right. You know, right. I think like, yeah, so just, just individualize the experience and um, listen to your children. Spankings mm-hmm. do not always work. Like I said, fear does not create love and respect. Love and respect creates love and respect. Hello. And, and having wanna- conversation oh. is that. Yeah. yeah, and I just want to, uh, you made a very good point um, about something, Rade, about that telling you, um, oh, when I get home, I'm going to beat your ass. So first of all, <laughs> so for me personally, I think that um, if I were ever to say any part of, of because there's a difference between spanking and beating. We're not talking about beating. Beating is what gets you in trouble. We're talking about spanking right, right. to correct, right. to modify behavior. But honey... Parents, if I had to say in my own experience, the part that was traumatizing is you at work at it's nine o'clock in the morning and telling me that you're going to whoop me when you get home and you don't get home till five or six. So now I'm over here shaking, scared <laughs> because you I know a whooping is coming. Me. So listen, so I can't tell y'all how to parent, but more of the story is just wait till you get home and we have a conversation and then you tell me that you're going to whoop my ass. Don't tell me you're going to whoop my ass eight hours earlier. So now I don't... <laughs> Now I'm sitting here traumatized and shaking. Scared all day. Scared all day. That's the traumatizing part, parents. It ain't the bell on the butt. It's not not the tap on the hand. It's not the, however, you know, because back in the day, I got whoopings with switches. We had a bush outside of our house and you had to go out and pick yours and you better not pick pick, no little one. Because if you pick a little one, then they going to go out and pick a a, a way bigger one. one. So you got, so it was a, yeah, it was some. It was a uh, a task, so you had to you had to pick the right one. I, I always had to find the average one, you know. But the moral of the story is: stop telling us that you're gonna whoop us ten hours before you whoop us. Like that's the part that's traumatizing. Mm-mm. <laughs> that's, that's what creates that fear, though. That's what it is. It's, oh it creates that fear. It's that anticipation. Like you said, you don't know what it's gonna be. Is it gonna be exactly. a bell? Is it gonna be a tree branch? Is it gonna be a cord? What's it gonna be? You know? Listen, and we're laughing. And then, but it's right. not funny. It's just it's relatable. Yeah, yeah, we're laughing right. at our own personal experiences. Cause honey, <laughs> right, right. then you have the audacity to now I've been waiting eight hours. You come home, then you want to do everything but whoop me. So now you want to go take a shower. <laughs> you wanna you wanna go eat dinner. You wanna go watch your favorite TV show for two hours. So now I'm still sitting 
in here shaking because every time I hear your foot, your foot hit the ground, I'm thinking you're gonna come with my ass. Like, uh uh-uh, uh, that's trauma. That's trauma. Clearly, listeners, this is a trauma response. I feel like I'm so feeling you. Now, granted, I think this, the craziest moments was when, like, my parents, like, I'm gonna whoop your ass when I get home. All day done gone by. I didn't want to go play outside. Girl, right. just scared. Okay, like nothing. <laughs> nothing. By the time they get home, they don't even give a shit anymore. Right. Not trying to whoop me, but I'm still trembling in my boots. Like, hey, mom. Right. <laughs> right. And you can try to do everything around the house, right? I did the yes. dishes. Yes. I cleaned my room. <laughs> yes. Girl. I did it all. Yes, honey. And then you know we're not gonna bring it up because we don't want it to happen at all. So we're not gonna say well when is listen, true story, y'all, true story. One day my mama did this and she came home and she did that exact that exact little um routine I told y'all about. She took a shower, she ate dinner, she was just laying in her bed watching her TV show. I mean laughing and everything, having a good time. Honey, I, I had got so sick of it, I just walked in. Is you gonna whoop me or not? <laughs> Girl, listen, listen. My mama said, "Girl, my mama looked at me and she she bust out laughing. She was like, boy, just go about your business. Just go, just go.'" And I believe that was the last time that she announced it that long. Like, girl, is you gonna whoop me or what? Because I need to move on with my life. Because right now I'm scared as hell, and I can't function right now. Okay. Oh my god! I used I have a friend. That and I won't say their name, but when their mom would tell them that, they would put on layers of clothes. Oh my god, that is genius! <laughs> layers of clothes, and if they, if if you know if their parents ended up giving them that spanking, then they were good. But if not, you know they were fine too. They were like, let me just go take off these clothes. <laughs> like, oh, oh my, my god! god. <laughs> oh Jesus! You know, that you know what used funny. to get me like. <laughs> Thankfully, I didn't get a lot of spankings as a child because, like I said, I was very, like, I followed the rules. It was that fear. Like, I didn't want to, like, right. cross my parents. You didn't so, want to walk in. Right. <laughs> exactly. So what would get me is when there's the spanking is happening and, you know, you get in a spank with, like, one words. <laughs> they're not telling you the whole sentence they're telling you like don't stop yes. doing that but it's like don't stop <laughs> in between yes. each space is a spanking it's like why that's traumatizing too that's something that I <laughs> will never you, forget Alyssa. I'm glad you brought that up because <laughs> we talked about that, that when we say talking about parents talking to their kids about why they're getting the spanking we mean right. a conversation not while you swing not in the not while you doing it <laughs> Like who's that's just what? not gonna work because we're not gonna hear any of that. All we hear is we all we feel is the whooping. We don't hear none exactly. of that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. The conversations happen before, after, even without the spanking. And I feel like even if you have a conversation, maybe the spanking is not even warranted. Like figure out what mm-hmm. what's motivating mm-hmm. your child. Like what are motivating factors? Like Dimitri shared with us, like he didn't want his phone taken away. For some kids, that's really true. Mm-hmm. And other kids, mm-hmm. like, you know, love to play outside, maybe limit their, like, time spent outside. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. be something extreme or, like, you're taking away everything this kid loves. Like, that's not an appropriate way to initiate mm-hmm. consequences. Right. right. Definitely. Okay, guys. So now it's time for our Earth lesson. 
Earth lesson for this week is being a parent is not easy. Remember, open communication is the foundation of healthy parent-child relationships and the way that you parent your child should be unique to the child as parenting is not a one-size-fits-all situation. Respectfully, a melanated therapist. All right, fam. So remember to follow us on Instagram at respectfullymt and send your question and topic request to respectfullymt at gmail.com. Also, we will have one more episode before the end of season one. Then we'll be back July yes. 29. <laughs> and we'll be back with episode one for season two. So thank you so much for joining us today, Alyssa. Would you like to share your social media handles with our listeners again? Absolutely. You can find me at Sincerely Therapy on Instagram and check out my website, SincerelyTherapy.com. Thank you so yes. much for having me. Thanks for yes, thank being you. here, friend. Thank yes, you, friend. Of course. Yes, this, this was is so much fun. fun. And I hope definitely. parents out there, they learned a thing or two or laughed with us. Until next time, fam. Peace. Respectfully. 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 A melanated therapist.